Welcome to the Northwestern Masters of the Arts and Sports Administration Revenue Above Replacement Podcast. I'm Bryce Clinton, and I'm joined by Adam Rosen. We have an excellent show today, including an interview with, with Matt Gottlieb. Matt's had a really interesting career path that started in politics before leaving the sports. Adam, can you give us a little bit more about, about Matt's background? Absolutely. So Matt started his career, in particularly with an emphasis on political polling, uh, among multiple jobs that he had in, in politics and polling, uh, included work with Atlantic Media, uh, in, uh, in addition to being the polling editor for the National Journal Hotline, which is a very well-known um, uh, polling outfit, um, and particularly focused on political news. He also worked at the Benson Strategy Group. Uh, he attended business school, where I attended business school at NYU Stern School of Business, and he helped to use that experience to parlay um, and start a career using numbers, data, and quantitative analysis, starting at working directly with Verizon and working on the company side uh, with a real focus on analytics and research, um, particularly across Verizon's uh, partnership portfolio. He then moved into Whistle, which is a digital media first uh, company. Again, the idea, and we'll talk about this more in the interview, but the idea of looking at digital media, particularly digital video, and the ability to connect with fans um, from an insights and media strategy and research perspective is something that he's really focused on and has been focused on uh, at Whistle. Yeah, and, and what's interesting is from there, he parlayed that experience to his, his current role as, as the vice president of insights and, and measurement for sports at, at NBC Universal. And, and, you know, you guys get into this in the interview, but it's really interesting how that career path from an analytical perspective has, has taken him to that, that current role. So everyone, please enjoy uh, this, this interview with Matt Godley. Welcome to the Northwestern Masters of Sports Administration Revenue Above Replacement Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Grossman. With me today is Matt Gottlieb from NBC Sports. Matt, uh, great to have you on the podcast today. Great to be here. Nice to see you. Nice to see you too. Um, first, before we jump into some more uh, detailed questions, it'd be great to give your audience a little bit about your background um, and how you got to your role today at NBC. Sure. You want me to go all the way back? All the way back, as far back as you want to go. <laughs> um, so, so I started my career in, in D.C., where, where I grew up in, in, in politics. And uh, I was a, a reporter. I covered political polling data. And then I, I, I got a job working as a pollster, um, you know, helping uh, elect Democrats, helping advocate for progressive issues, and, and also working on corporate market research. And, you know, I really saw the opportunity for that data in a variety of types of businesses. And, and it, it, it led me to want to, I would say, build a harder uh, business skill set. Um, I had been liberal, liberal arts undergrad. Um, and, and so I went to grad school, I got my MBA to really build out a complementary skill set to what I had as a history major as an undergrad. Um, I also, you know, I'd spent a lot of my 20s working on issues I was passionate about. Um, politics. Um, and I, I didn't want to lose that, though I knew I wanted to move outside the political arena. And, and that really led me to sports. Um, when I when I finished NYU, I, I first went to work on Verizon's sponsorship team and worked on the NFL mobile apps uh, as it to content uh, measurement, uh, consumption measurement within the app, as well as 
marketing uh, for for the app, down funnel marketing. And, and I also worked at Verizon on Go90, uh, where there's a variety of different types of sports content, which led me uh, to pivot a little bit from a marketing role, which I had been in for the first few years after grad school, back into a research role, but not just a research role, focused on consumer surveys again, which is, had been my primary function uh, before grad school. I, I, you know, I had a broader skill set by then, and, 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 it, and it, I went to Whistle Sports in, say, 2017 um, to, 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 to head up their research team and, and work across consumer research, um, as well as uh, some of the OTT metrics I had been looking at at Verizon, as well as the marketing metrics I had been exposed to and working on Verizon um, and, and expanded into social measurement, uh, which was the core of Whistle's business. Um, and I was there for a couple of years. And, you know, more, most recently, I, I came to NBC Sports Group um, working in ad sales research um, and NBC and Whistle have a partnership, um, which is, you know, how we got connected. And, and I, I play a similar role now on the commercial side of the business in terms of understanding what what were the consumption levels, what are the consumption trends, as, as well as uh, advertiser measurement uh, for anything that runs on you know, the Olympics, Sunday Night Football, NHL, NASCAR, all, across all of our properties here. One of the things we wanted to dive into and one of the things we want to talk about in the podcast is, um, you know, is your career in, in going first from non-sports into sports and then going from a new media company to a more traditional media company. So from your perspective, you know, how is the trend, you know, you mentioned going from working on issues you cared about, obviously sports is something you're passionate about as well, yeah. but how did you decide to make the transition from going into politics and polling into your, your role into sports? Yeah. I mean, it was about doing something on a day-to-day -day basis that I was excited about thinking about, outside of work. I'm not the type of person where it turns off when, you know, we, when I leave the office or, you know, in today's world, leave this room. Um, <laughs> uh, and I, I wanted to make sure that, you know, I was inspired and passionate about on a day-to-day -day basis, the, the things I was dedicating, I would say the large, like a plurality of, of, of my time to. Um, and, you know, when we think about new media versus old media, for me, I, I haven't necessarily drawn that line in that way. For me, Whistle, it was about, you know, we're on Dude Perfect's content. We have these amazing series that that tell inspirational or humorous stories uh, about, you know, up and coming athletes. And, you know, when it comes to NBC, it's I've been a Sunday Night Football viewer. I've been Olympic viewer as long as I can possibly remember. Um, and these are things that are, have played a huge role in my life. And, and now I get to work on them on a day-to-day -day basis. And that's, that's, that's inspiration to, to open up the laptop every morning. And what did you learn or what are the kind of the insights? If, you know, one of the things we talk about in our classes and with our students is taking insights that you've learned outside of sports and bringing them into sports. So beyond passion, what are some of the things that you think you've brought from outside of sports into sports? Yeah, I, I this, this came up last week. I was working on a project where, you know, we were looking at uh, consideration or sorry, purchase intent for a specific product that had been advertising in a, in one of our properties. And and we were looking at purchase intent among an exposed versus control universe. And we were sort of saying, OK, but I get that. But but why is it happening? What's driving that? And we also had a list of different product attributes, you know, the reasons to buy this particular product, which happened to be a sports product. Um, and 
you know, we were able to, to look at that among those who were intending to purchase and those who weren't intending to purchase. And for each one of those attributes, we're able to say, okay, how did, what was the delta between those two, you know, in, in those cross tabs, as we would call them for consumer research? Where, where are we seeing the biggest spread? Where are we over-indexing among those who are purchasing versus planning to purchase versus not planning to purchase? That analysis, which we were embarking on the first time in this particular environment, was no different than looking at the attributes of a, of a candidate for office and, and, and you know, the, their top seven attributes with the horse race question of, uh, of who they're, of who, who would people vote for to understand what's driving that decision. And you, you mentioned some of the work that you're doing now, and I, I do want to jump into that since you, you were talking about cross tabs and research. So you mentioned, you know, obviously you have a pretty broad portfolio of assets that you work at NBC. So one, can you talk about what are the assets that you look at at NBC? And can you talk more about how you, you, you know, NBC sports as a whole um, monetizes those assets uh, across various different channels? Yeah, I mean, in terms of the properties, uh, you know, obviously we have uh, some big ones that, that I mentioned. Um, we also have always on properties. I mean, there's an entire network dedicated to golf, the Golf Channel. We have two majors coming up next year on our air, as well as a Ryder Cup and, and golf in the Olympics. It, it takes, I mean, it could be its own job unto itself. Um, uh, we also have some premier horse racing and auto racing uh, with IndyCar and NASCAR. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of time and, and most recently our, our team started working on the world cup, um, because we, we will have Spanish language rights to that. And mm -hmm. in, in, in 2022 and 2023 for, for the men's and women's respectively, um, in, in terms of, you know, how we staff those, I mean, it, it really, it, it depends on, on this particular challenge and it depends on the the cycle. Um, some of the always on properties, you know, you're constantly in positioning mode um, to make sure we're driving home the value of the media and the advertising to uh, existing and potential clients. And and some of them run on more of a cycle. I mean, we are obviously it's today, it's December 10th. We're in the middle of uh, Sunday Night Football sort of mid-season recaps. And we certainly have an always on weekly workflow related to NFL performance. When we get through Divisional weekend, which is our, our our last NBC's last game of the year, we'll start to pivot to recap mode, and, and that'll last for on that property for another eight, in some cases, twelve weeks, and then immediately we'll be starting on positioning for the 2021 season. So, it it, it really depends on the property and 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 the cycle related to it. Can you talk more about what you're talking about with uh, Sunday Night Football or Football Night in America? You talk about mid-season recaps, positioning. Can you explain to our audience what goes into something like that for people who are unfamiliar, kind of like with what you're talking about with mid-season recaps or what kind of data sources are you looking at or what kind of information? You talked a little bit before with the cross tabs and research, but any more detail you could provide would be helpful. Yeah. When, when we think about um, you know conversations with advertisers who are valued partners in in, in in these broadcasts, you know, we're looking at a, a couple things on um, the element side. So one thing we're looking at are creative units um, and, and how did they perform? The other thing we're looking at are the, the in-game activations, the marketing elements that they that, that they may have in our broadcasts and, and you know, are they driving the, the brand's KPIs? In terms of what we're using to tell that story, you know, first let's talk about scale. You know, we're, we are using Nielsen data to say how many people watch this telecast, um, what are some of the trends we're seeing related to that? 
but we're also not just a, a linear uh, business anymore. We, right. we have a, a really strong digital uh, portfolio when it comes to sports and including Sunday Night Football. And, and so we're looking at streaming and, and seeing, you know, how many people saw, saw, watch the game there, particularly if the broadcast, if the advertiser has opted to have, uh, DAI digital ads as part of their Sunday Night Football package. We're also looking at impact, um, depending on, uh, you know, the type of activation that a brand's engaging in, you know, sometimes, you know, people are looking for a brand lift study and we're able to, Build things in conjunction with partners like Cantar, um, Cantar Miller Brown to say over the course of the season, you know, what happened in terms of a control versus an exposed audience. And that's a really custom instrument and one that is oftentimes building upon similar studies that we've done for the same partners for several years in a row where we're getting this wonderful longitudinal view and able to make recommendations as well as report on performance uh, because of what we see in the trends data. We're also looking at always on tools. You know, we have a partnership with Phoenix, MI, TV brand effect. We have a partnership with EDO um, to look at search impact. Uh, we work with iSpot TV to look at attention metrics. And these are essentially tools where on a weekly basis, um, even if it's a couple weeks in arrears, over the course of the season, we're able to go in and say how many people are, are paying attention to these ads, you know, are they, you know, is their opinion about these brands changing as a result of seeing them? And, and are they going to search for more information? So really looking up and down the funnel at, at what we're delivering for our advertisers from an impact standpoint beyond scale. I, th I think the other big piece when it comes to marketing elements is um, we, uh, we often have integrations, whether it's billboards uh, or, or placements, and, and we work with partners, uh, including Block 6 uh, Analytics, to, to look at the exposure on screen. And, and not just how long it was on screen for, but what was the value that was delivered because it was on screen due to things like centricity uh, and prominence within the broadcast. And, and, and tools like that, which I know you're familiar with, um, you know, add, add quite a bit of value to our, what I consider a broad toolkit that we will pull at different strands of depending on what the advertisers are telling us their goals are for their specific campaign, because we like to make it as customized as possible. Yeah, and that's a follow-up question um, in terms of, you know, kind of from your end, and, and we'll talk about the impact of COVID and the impact of the coronavirus, particularly on, the, on your business and yeah. in the sports landscape. But before we do that, um, you know, one of the things that you talked about are all the different data sources and all these different integrations of different data sources. What are brands asking for right now? What are those kind of customized studies that they're looking for in terms of understanding the value of their, their either uh, adding or not adding the placements? Yeah, I think let, let's set COVID aside for a second and, and then we can layer, yeah. on, layer on that environment. <laughs> you know, in, in general, you're gonna see different brands asking for, for different things depending what their goals are. And I, we, we have a great team here um, and it's, it's, a, it's really a broad effort. Um, and we start these conversations by getting the right people in the room and saying, okay, here's what your campaign is. Tell us what are your, what are your top five KPIs? You know, what are, the, what are the things at the end of the season you would love to be able to tell? Often it's an agency. You would love to be able to tell your client or a client, you, know, you, you wanna be able to make sure you're moving the needle on um, for your business. And you'd be surprised. I mean, we've had, Brands where one year we were doing a sales lift study for them and and, and showing that we moved the needle at, at 
uh, checkout. Um, but the next year, you know, they, they come back and said, well, you know, we have a really strong activation around uh, this piece of your broadcast. And we want to make sure that it's driving home our association with Sunday Night Football. And that pivots more to a brand lift. It really varies. You know, we have one, and this is where the COVID layer comes in. You know, we have a partner who historically has wanted to look at foot traffic to their uh, brick and mortar locations. And that had been something that was vital to them. In today's world, you know, they were open to pivoting and end up looking at a brand lift study um, so that we can understand how people are, are feeling about them and, and, you know, are we driving home greater intent to look at them as a delivery or a takeout option in a world where, uh, you know, it may not make sense uh, to try to push foot traffic? Yeah. And the other thing, you know, obviously this has COVID implications, but I think it, like you talked about before is the pivot to streaming and particularly NBC's pivot uh, with the launch of Peacock. Uh, can you talk more about just the particularly the impact on the sports business that the streaming and digital and are you seeing um, advertisers, you know, looking or thinking more about and considering uh, considering digital more in their decision set decision set when talking with you? So it, it's something we we hope they are, uh, and we, <laughs> we we are we're driving that home because you know it's no secret this year that NFL ratings are are down year over year, right? At the same time, you know, digital's up. You know, we we've seen a 20% plus growth in average minute audience for Sunday football um, and uniques uh, over the course of the season versus versus last year. And that's material growth for a, a number of consecutive years on that front. Um, and, and so, the more uh, I would say customized solutions, you know, broad based in terms of delivery that we can bring to partners, uh, I'd say that the healthier the biz, uh, the sports business will be over the long term. And when you, one of the other areas that we would talk about in terms of particularly from digital content is social media and how has the integration of social media, either from a metrics perspective or from a content perspective, how has that impacted what you guys think about and how you think about your sports portfolio? Yeah. I mean, one of, one of the things I think that your students have, probably learned uh, over the course of, of, of their curriculum is that uh, customer preferences drive channels of distribution. Um, and, and and I think, you know, we all see that in our own lives when it comes to sports content, you can see more and more, um, more and more content living on social. And that's not new to 2020, right? That was, that's new to 2016, probably. Um, but we have, from an advertiser standpoint, I would say we have vehicles that traverse all of these platforms so that we can create comprehensive solutions. And you know, whether it's you want to reach a YouTube audience or a streaming audience or a linear audience or a, a, a Twitter audience, you know, some they're built to put together media plans that make sense and hit on all of those touch points. And oftentimes, you know, what we see as a result of that is fans that are in more than one place receiving greater, greater impact among. And, you know, we've kind of danced around this, but we should dive right into, you know, how has COVID um, impacted your business and impacted, you know, just on the day-to-day? -day. We'll start with the day-to-day -day and then maybe look at more of the medium and long-term impact going forward. Yeah, on day-to-day, -day, it's it's been sort of a roller coaster of a year, um, as it has been for, for many people. Um, <laughs> I think, you know, in the sports world, uh, you know, we sort of had March 12th, right, where everything shut down. And we we have, 
you know, this, this team of great researchers who are used to looking at what's happening on a day-to-day basis in terms of consumption and in terms of impact. And, and there wasn't, I mean, there was a, a dearth of content and a real hiatus up until um, golf started coming back and NASCAR, NASCAR started coming back um, later, later in Q2 and into Q3. Um, so then you had the third quarter where we had, as a result of those sort of postponements, right? Uh, a spoil, uh, we were spoiled in terms of the volume of content we had with, with you know, a Kentucky Derby in September and Indy 500 in August, uh, a, a US Open with, on, on NBC and Golf Channel in September. Um, things we never would have dreamed of uh, a, a year ago. And, and I think on top of that, you had the sports that existed there already. You, you, you had Sunday football, you had college football, came back a little bit later, but college football came back. Um, and, and that just leads to a really, uh, it was very disruptive from a day-to-day standpoint because uh, everything just compressed into this time period. You know, six months of sports were compressed into three months. And that obviously has a lot of impact in terms of how many places each person can be on, at, at a time in terms of making sure these businesses are serviced from a research standpoint. One of the things that um, is top of mind, both in the class and just in the day-to-day perspective, and you mentioned this with football in terms of ratings being down, um, you know, obviously there's been a lot of conversation about ratings being down as sports have come back, which is maybe less anticipated, um, you know, when sports were not being competed. Um, you, you know, one of the biggest drivers, that, well, if not the biggest driver for most sports organizations are these media rights deals. So one, what's been your kind of relationship and how have you been interacting with the properties and with the partners that you have? And two, you know, without obviously revealing specific, what have, what have those conversations been like and what are the things that you're seeing in terms of, um, you know, consumption patterns, particularly given everything that's going on? Yeah. So in terms of the relationship with the properties, I mean, it's, it's a place where we're definitely trading notes to make sure that, you know, we have a common understanding from all sides about what do we think is driving the changes in consumption. Um, of course, there's a pandemic and there's a presidential election, but that's, I would say, a top line, um, uh, you know, very top line. And, and once you dig in and we fielded custom studies against this primary research, you know, flexing that, 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 uh, that, that muscle I talked about earlier um, to, to really get at what are, the, what are the drivers of behavior and most importantly, you know, regardless of what 2020 looks like, what do we think 2021 is going to look like and, and, and beyond? And I think that's the part that's really important because we want to contextualize, um, you know, are these problems short term or are they structural in nature? And I think through the research, we've learned more than anything, they're related to some of the big things that are happening in 2020 that have either already dissipated or we expect to dissipate, you know, within the next uh, six to 12 months. Um, and so, you know, making sure we understand the business and, and can provide a point of view to advertisers that that's accurate as well as, you know, we hope, you know, in support of, of, of a positive rating story in the future. And what are you seeing potentially as you look forward to 2021? And are there things that you've seen now, either positively or negatively, but particularly positively, as like positive developments that come from COVID that you can then build into your 2021 plans going forward? Yeah, it's a great question. And and you know when when sports came back initially or after the hiatus, we expected to see huge numbers. You know, based on uh, what you saw after. 
previous lockouts or, or work stoppages in, in recent years. You, know, you saw NBA and NHL come back to huge ratings after that. You know, when there were previous tragedies, 9-11, you know, we, you saw the World Series get its highest rating. It hasn't, we, there's not been a higher rated World Series game since then. Um, you know, when the Saints came back to, to New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina, the first game at the Superdome on national TV, saw enormous lift over, over, over what you saw in 2004 beforehand. So, you know, we were looking at all those trends and saying, okay, this is exactly what's going to happen to sports. And to some extent, that was true. I mean, we saw a lot of the big properties premiere again to record numbers. Uh, you know, your Washington Nationals uh, and, and on ESPN on opening night, you know, were up 250% versus the, the game, the, the same game a year prior. You saw NBA on opening night up 200%, MLS up 100%, uh, NASCAR up 154%. I mean, just really, really huge increases. And that, and we saw those ratings hold for, for a little bit. But by the third week, we were seeing the average weekly ratings for these sports drop 50 to 70% from their premier weeks, respectively. And, and, and so that created some level of, of certainly, you know, I, would, I don't want to say cause for concern, but cause for investigation. And this is one of the things you're clearly seeing a trend in the data. It's time to learn more. And, and then we start to diagnose from a process standpoint, what are the tools at our disposal versus what are the, what, what are the net new research work streams we need to invest in? And, you know, by going out and, and you know, building studies, you know, we started to be able to contextualize, you know, NFL being down at this point, 13% year over year season to hit across all broadcasts. Why is that? And, and, and what do we think is going to happen next? And, um, you know, that 13% is, is a big number uh, in, in magnitude, but not as big as, you know, the NBA finals being down more than 50% or the World Series being down, you know, high 20s, depending on what demographics you're looking at. Um, and, and through that research, you know, we, we started to look at, okay, what's driving it? All right. Well, it's more casual fans than avid fans. We're losing more of those. Okay. Fewer people, fewer televisions are on. So the pie is a little bit smaller. People are watching less TV. Okay. I get it. Some of those are, are peeled off because of streaming. Um, and, and we know that. Okay. Is that structural? Do we expect them to stay there? Or is it, you know, is it something that, that is short term that, that they, that they're streaming now because of everything else that's going on in the world? Some people aren't turning the TVs on at all. And that has to do with the fact that there's more important things going on in the world. Um, and there was a, a lot of them over, over the course of the summer and into the fall that, that, that were taking people's attention away. Um, and then I think the other big driver, uh, two other big drivers that sort of get your question is the people who were, did have their TVs on and were, are watching linear television are watching a lot more news. I mean, new, news consumption is just up by a significant margin, not just year over year, but versus 2016, because a lot of it is related to the election. And we can see that when news coverage spikes, football consumption went down on a weekly basis over the course of the season. When the president was in the hospital uh, with COVID during week four, the NFL had its lowest performing week of the entire season. You know, when, you know, when, election week happened uh, again you see you see the impact football ratings on a week-to-week -week basis because uh, the, because uh, it, 
to some extent, it's a zero-sum game in terms of people's time, even if we're not talking about the exact same day parts that people are watching in. Um, and then the last one to bring it on back to what I was talking about at the beginning is we saw all these sports move from Q2 to Q3, which meant, you know, in terms of once you, even after you account for the many college football games that were canceled, uh, tennis being canceled, many sports being canceled, you're still seeing the same number of sports telecast in this, you know, the first 10 weeks of the NFL season because of all these events that dropped in, whether it was the NBA playoffs and finals, the Stanley Cup playoffs and final, um, uh, mentioned Golf US Open, um, Tour de France, French Open, a variety of things. However, overall sports consumption, of all total GRPs, is still, it contracted during, during that period, which means that there's not as the same number of viewers, if not fewer viewers, trying, trying to divide up among more sports programming at all at the same time. And, you know, as, there's a lot there. Um, but one of the things we wanted to talk about is obviously when, you know, you're seeing the data, you're seeing that people are consuming, you know, more, po you know, politics who may be also football viewers. You know, one of the things that happened recently is obviously and what's going to happen through the end of the year is Steve Kornacki, who obviously is most famously or most famous uh, for his work on NBC and MSNBC as a political analyst, started to analyze playoff probabilities for the NFL. Uh, how much do you think about those types of issues as you're seeing, you know, these types of crossovers and trying to, you know, maybe inter when you're seeing this kind of, oh, we see people are watching politics. Are there ways, given that we are NBC, to integrate these types of two things or to reach outside of sports to help drive sports consumption? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say that it's not it's it's not as if there's a, a ton of other programming out there that's seeing significant, that's seeing lifts year over year. Um, I think you've sort of hit on that, that one piece. I mean, Kornacki was amazing during, during the election and, and his work er, earlier than that. Uh, and, and, and if, if you followed him, if you watched MSNBC in October, November, you know, it was captivating to watch him, um, at, in front of, in front of that, that map. Um, and it's a skill set. Like, I mean, take me, take, take me as an example. It, it's a skill set in terms of analyzing numbers and, and predicting performance that is akin to, okay, can you do political research and, and help like candidates and then turn to analyzing uh, advertising as it relates to sports performance? The answer is yes. And I think, you know, I'm no Steve Kornacki, but certainly uh, his versatile skill set has, has, was captivating on um, this past Sunday night um, and hope to see more of him. Um, yeah. And I think that's, uh, you know, well, one, I think you, you might be, no offense to Steve, but uh, you might be a little more uh, better dressed than he is at the moment. So uh, not that there's anything wrong. Obviously, Steve is well known for his gap stuff, but obviously you're, you, I think you. Yeah. Like, I have the khakis on. You just uh, oh, yeah, well, see him in the show. There shop. you go. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, some of our listeners will be able to see it, obviously, also through the podcast. But uh, <laughs> one of the other things that you brought up, though, in, in that conversation is the time shifting of sports. And obviously, the, arguably, the biggest property that has been time shifted is the Olympics. Um, can you talk about, you know, kind of what you think your thought process was and, and is about the Olympics, particularly as it's been time shifted to from 2020 to 2021? Yeah, I mean, I'm excited. Uh, I mean, it's been I, I so I, I joined NBC with with a, a little more than a year runway um, ahead of ahead of the games. Um, and you know, 
that got delayed. And so this is something that I've been, you know, I've been counting down the days for a while now. We had a clock in the office that, that counted down. Um, and, and I'm, I'm excited to, to see these games go off. Um, from a, from a consumption standpoint, I think everything I just talked about, um, bodes well for the Olympics. So, I mean, there's, you know, we've talked about the consumption trends. Okay. The presidential election, you know, deep in news consumption impacting some of the viewership. There's no presidential election next year. We, we've talked about the, you know, the, the, the glut of GRPs or I'd say events in the third quarter, uh, of this year that, uh, led to lower overall consumption of the events. The, the Olympics is on its own uh, sitting there in terms of captivating viewers' attention in July and August of next year. Um, we also talked about the fact that with uh, these sports that came back, came back to huge audiences. Um, and and that's, that holds with what we've seen after previous tragedies, that, that, that holds with what we've seen after people were deprived of the sports that they love. Um, you know, I think this one year extra wait for the Olympics, um, it, you know, and everything that we hope occurs from a science standpoint and a health standpoint in the interim, um, you know, bodes well for, for you know, consumption levels. I think it's going to be the biggest TV event in, in history. Do you see, you know, again, um, we talked about this a little bit before, but do you see, you know, any change in consumption patterns or consumption patterns change that you've seen potentially in Q3 and since come back potentially impact the Olympics? I think you're, you know, obviously I think you're right in terms of it's, it's in a, it's a, in its traditional place in the calendar, even if it's a year delayed, do you, but do you see any positively or negatively anything from COVID or from the shifting in consumption patterns that you think could impact the Olympics? Yeah. I mean, I think that there's, the, the Olympics obviously lives in a variety of different places. Um, you have the, the traditional linear uh, linear delivery across a variety of NBCU channels. Um, you also have the, the digital products that have persisted and, and for, for a couple games. And then you have Peacock adding to the mix now too, in addition to a variety of social distribution partnerships that, that we have in place. Um, I, I think all of this means that you know, people are going to be able to find that content and 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 watch it uh in at a volume that they have never never had before and one of the other things obviously with the nbc in general and with the olympics is that the olympics isn't just obviously important for nbc sports it's important for the entire uh network right it, mm -hmm. it permeates throughout the entire network so yeah. can you talk a little bit more about kind of the um impact that you've seen from all of what's been happening across the entire network to to the extent that you can talk about it obviously i know again we don't want to reveal any state secrets but more just like how do you how do you think about this as a holistic company, given that sports programming is one vertical, but obviously an extremely important vertical to NBC more generally? Yeah, I mean, NBC, and I'm sure you've read in, in the news in the last six months, has done a lot of reorganization to 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 be one platform on the advertising side um, to meet advertisers, you know, in the in the way they need to be met um, across, you know, regardless of, of what type of content they want to run in to make sure they're finding the audiences and the advanced audiences that they're looking for on, on the, the programming side, you know, a little bit farther from my world, but, you know, certainly there's been a lot in the, in the press about reorganization. So you have things uh, running uh, under one umbrella that were previously standalone, st standalone businesses. And, 
one, one more, a couple more questions as we're getting towards the end of the episode. Um, first, um, you know, we t I, I wanted to highlight this either in your role as MB at NBC or even at your previous role at Whistle kind of, do you see any kind of trends emerging from COVID just more generally that were accelerated by COVID, you know, whether particularly with digital or streaming or social um, or, you know, outside of more traditional sports channels, do you see COVID, have you seen COVID accelerate any of the things that you're looking at um, in terms of either content consumption or just impacting the sports industry more generally? Yeah, I mean, it, it, acceleration is certainly the, the 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 buzzword attached to it. I mean, it, it's it, it, these aren't necessarily new trends, but they're ones we've seen uh, move at an extraordinary rate over the course of the year. And one of them, like you hit on, is definitely digital consumption. Um, CTV in particular has been a, a growth point in, in terms of viewership. Um, I, I think some of the others, as as we look at, you know, our, our the types of businesses we're engaged in, we're engaged with from an advertising conversation are, are different at this moment than they were uh, a year ago. And some of that has to do with the way people are, are living their lives slightly differently right now. Um, but some of those, you know, in terms of flexibility around work or um, reliance on delivery services for products that you may have purchased, you know, in person previously uh, are, you know, likely here to stay or potentially here to stay. And, uh, you know, I can speak from my personal experience, you know, we, we've loved pivoting to grocery delivery and having, uh, and having that it's, 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 you know, it's, for young family, it's, it's been, it's been one less thing that needs to get done in the hours, uh, when we want to be, you know, hanging out with our children on the weekends or need to be working during the week. So. And I think it was interesting what you said earlier about how, companies themselves have pivoted, right? They're potentially their delivery model to their customers have pivoted. That impacts how they're advertising. It impacts how they're engaging with customers. And because their you know, business models are changing, their you know, advertising and partnership needs are changing. And I think that's an interesting point, right? To bring it home and bring it back to your personal experience. Um, the last question which we ask, and I have it for you to comment on that in more detail if you'd like, but the last question we asked, we asked for um, all of our uh, guests is, you know, obviously this podcast is geared towards a student audience. Um, it's an audience that's either trying to progress their career in the sports industry or enter the sports industry for the first time. Uh, what advice would you give to students who are looking to try to enter or uh, progress in the industry um, so they can, you know, achieve successful careers, um, particularly as they enter and then, uh, you know, leave the program at Northwestern? Yeah, I, I think... Um, be flexible, I think, is is the advice I would was was that was given to me, and that I would give other people in terms of finding your first job in this industry because it's a hard industry to break into, um, and just because you you come up as a shortstop doesn't mean you won't have the opportunity to play third base late later in your career. Um, you're not necessarily pigeonholed in that way. Um, and you, I can draw from my own experience, which is, you know, I had first had the opportunity to work in marketing and I had a research background. I knew that I had an interest in marketing, um, but you know, I saw the opportunity. I wanted to work on that particular product and that and live streaming of NFL games. Right? There, wasn't, there weren't that many opportunities to do that. And I jumped at the chance and I, I've never looked back because. A, I learned a lot of new things in that role, and B, I, I, I also identified things that I was good at, and, and it allowed me to hone a career path that wasn't just something that I was passionate about, but something that I felt like 
on a day-to-day basis, I'm able to have an impact because of the skills that I bring to the table. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I think the idea of one, not just looking at a specific role, but not just look at a specific company type, right? It's like you said, there's there's jobs outside of the what people I think would, particularly students would consider the sports industry, whether that's teams, leagues, events, athletes, media companies. There's all sorts of ways to enter into the sports industry. And even as we talked about, um, you know, you didn't even start in the sports industry. You went from polling and business school and then on to the role at, at Verizon. So, um, Matt, thank you for joining. I, I do have to say, when you said your nationals, it's our nationals before. So, and then particularly as you used a baseball uh, metaphor to close out, <laughs> close out the podcast. It, it, they are our nationals, and I, you know, if you can change the date on this, we can we can say they're the world champion Washington nationals. But uh, well, future, maybe they're the future world champion, right? Yeah, there you go. They're coming in back next year. Coming back strong. Yeah, thank you for the time. Thank you for the insights. Thank you for uh, you know all your background information. It's going to be very valuable for students and audience. And thank you for joining us on the. Thank you. Thanks for having me.